Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. This is Jillian Pelkey, and I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, we've got a lot to share in the Word of God, and I pray that this podcast blesses you. If you want to see more, you can check us out at soundcloud.com or on iTunes, and feel free to subscribe to iTunes so you get the podcast every week when it comes out. Uh, the podcast comes out every Tuesday, so check back and uh see what's going on over here at the Activate Preaching Podcast. Today we're going to be in the book of Romans and in the book of Psalms. So let's pray and then let's get right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that you are the king of all kings, that you are the master of the entire universe. God, today we just want to focus on how big you are and how great you are. We want to focus on the power that you yield and the wisdom that uh, is in you, that your thoughts are so much higher than ours and your ways are so much better. God, we realize how big you are. And we thank you, Lord, for looking at us and looking into our lives. Lord, we thank you for the Bible, for the word of God that directs us and teaches us. God, I pray pray today, God of the whole universe, help our hearts and minds to open to the wisdom that you have for us. Help us, God, as we seek you to find you. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts. We love you, God, and we honor you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for looking at us, your children. Thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, today uh, is quite a doozy. We're going to be talking about... um, (laughs) We're going to be talking about sinning after salvation. What does it look like to sin after salvation? Um, Most all of us that are listening to this podcast are Christians, followers of Jesus. We have been born again into a new life of following Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, though we are saved, born again, we are all still sinners. And so I want to talk about sinning after salvation and what happens to us, what we should do after we sin. Let's start off talking about this. Uh, Almost every single person on the planet who has a job knows when their payday is. There's no one that uh, just haphazardly forgets what day their boss or what day their payroll person hands them a check or delivers it uh, to their bank account. Everyone knows when payday is. And that's because we have a, a very good system, a natural system, where if you work for something, you're paid for it. And it's an exchange of labor for money. You work, you get paid. It's not a gift that you're given or just a suggestion every week that maybe if the boss feels like it, he may, if it's in his good heart, pay you, or he may not. The The system that we have, the society that we live in, the system we, that we have ensures that if you work, you get paid for the work that you did for the agreed upon amount. God has a system that's not like ours. God has a system that's just not natural. The system that he has is that he pays you even when you do nothing. He gives you a gift even though you didn't earn it. Take that in for a moment. He gives you a gift even though you didn't earn it. And we're going to take a look at Romans 4 verse 6. Romans 4 verse 6. This is a letter to the Romans written by Paul the Apostle. And in Romans 4, 6, he references King David from the Old Testament. And he says, David said the same thing. He said that a person is truly blessed when, 
A person is truly blessed when God does not look at what he has done, but accepts him as good. God does not look at what he has done, but accepts him as good. So Paul the Apostle, the New Testament guy, is looking at the Old Testament guy and saying, we agree on this, just like how David said it. The blessed is the person who doesn't get what he's got because he did something for it. He didn't work for it. He was just given it. And that's the same with our righteousness in Christ. We didn't earn it. Listen, we sat down at a table and we didn't bring anything to the table and we were given a gift of salvation. We didn't uh, come and add anything to earn our salvation. We didn't come with the things that we have done and say, hey, look, listen, I've done this good thing and that good thing. And so all this should add up. You should pay me salvation because I've done these good things. You owe me, God. You owe me salvation. You owe me justification and righteousness. Not one of us can say that. In fact, uh, when you just look back over in Romans a few uh, chapters earlier, it, it says there's no one righteous. No, not even one. So literally no one in the entire universe could sit with God and say, I have earned this salvation. Let that sink in. No one in the entire universe in all of history could sit across the table from God and say, here's what I've brought to you. Now I get salvation. Salvation is not a system like a work system where you get a paycheck. It's not what you bring to the table and then you earn it back through something else. No, it is a free gift from God. It is a free gift at the moment of salvation. It is a free gift continually through your whole journey of following God. So if you are given this free gift, if you are given this this justification, you're given righteousness, then what's the point of going on and continuing to work? If you're going to be paid and you don't have to do any work, what's the point of doing any work? Do you get what I'm saying here? God has lavished righteousness on you. So some might say, well, what's the sense of of doing good things, of working hard for the Lord? Why not go on living life any way I choose? Why not go on living life half the way I choose and half the way God chooses? Why not go on living my life 75% for God and 25% for myself? Why? Why would we choose to work even though we've already been paid? Why would we work even though we've already been paid? And I'll tell you this. Think of it this way. An apple tree produces apples. An apple tree, this is so simple, an apple tree produces apples. The only reason it doesn't produce apples is if something's wrong with it, right? If the environment around it didn't give it sun or the right nutrients in the soil or something's wrong with the roots or something's wrong with the branches, something's wrong if an apple tree doesn't produce fruit. If an apple tree does not produce fruit, something is fundamentally wrong. If a, if a Christian who has been paid for, a Christian who has been given righteousness, who has been given this justification for their sins, a Christian who has been paid for produces something. Just like an apple tree produces fruit. If it doesn't produce fruit, something's wrong with it. A Christian who does not produce fruit, something's wrong with it. Something fundamentally is wrong with a Christian who does not produce joy and patience and peace and love and self-control and goodness and mercy. If we have truly become children of God, if we've truly been transformed, if we've truly been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, then we begin to produce something. 
We begin to work because it's fundamentally who we are. And by work, I mean to change and to become in the image of God. I mean to be like lumps of clay being formed before God, being everything and anything He calls us to be or wants us to be. Unless something's wrong. Unless we're like that apple tree, something's wrong. You know, a holy person, a saint, someone who's really following after God, is someone who's constantly confessing their sins, someone is, who is aware of who they are and aware of their need for God. Let's take a look again at, at Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 6. David said the same thing. He said, a person is truly blessed when God does not look at who he or what he has done, but accepts him as good. He doesn't look at what he has done, but he accepts him as good. Now, this gives us a little bit of trouble because the truth is there's no one righteous. We have our righteousness through Jesus Christ. It's freely given to us. And so we're justified. We're justified completely. We're, sa- we're saved. Our salvation uh, gives us this new life, this new meaning. So here we are, and now we have everything we need, and we're supposed to be producing good fruit. But David and Paul agree, blessed is the one who God looks at, not based on what he's done, but based on the blessing. And so when we uh, reference this back, this, this quote in uh, Romans 6, Um, seven and eight is from Psalm 32. So if we look back at Psalm 32, we're looking into the words of David and in Psalm 32, let me turn there really quick. In Psalm 32, David is talking about his life and his confession of his sin. So let's read Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. I want to take a look at that right there. In whose spirit is no deceit. So blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven because he's confessed his sins to the Lord. And then he says, in whose spirit there is no deceit. In that person, there is nothing false. In that person, there is nothing false. When we don't confess our sins to the Lord, there's something false within us. When we don't, I'm going to say it one more time, when we don't confess our sins to the Lord, there is something false within us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we are deceiving ourselves if we're not confessing our sins to the Lord daily. 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 There's something false in us if we think we have obtained any righteousness of our own doing. Any righteousness, if we're bringing anything to the the table to say, I'm righteous because I did this, this, and that. There is something false in us when we believe that. Our righteousness comes from God alone. Our righteousness comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on, David goes on, he said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. When he kept silent about his sin, his bones wasted away. Catch that. When you keep quiet about your sins, your bones will waste away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He's holding on to sin and he is exhausted. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. 
Here's this big step. God knows anyway. God knows anyway. He already knows your sin. And living with your sin is zapping your strength. Whether you can physically see it, whether you think you're hiding it, maybe other people see it and you don't even think they do, confess your sin to the Lord. And if any of us think we don't have sin, we're fooling ourselves because we're all sinners saved by grace. And though as years go by as Christians, we may have gotten rid of a lot of outside sins, there are motives and intentions of our heart that are evil, that need to be confessed to the Lord. They need to be confessed so that we can produce fruit that's keeping with our salvation, that fruit of joy and peace and kindness. We can't be kind when we're caught up with sin. We can't be joyful and self-controlled in the same way as when all of our sin has been forgiven and washed white as snow. Because at that moment, at that moment when your sin has been confessed, you remember who you are. You remember that you brought nothing to the table of your salvation. You remember that it all comes from Jesus. And so when you confess your sin, you put yourself back on that equal playing field field with everyone else. You remember that those people sitting next to you in church are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You remember that you are never higher than them, that there is no ranks in Christianity, that it is an equal playing field. When you confess your sin, you're reminded of how great God is, that God is the only one to forgive our sins. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And as we confess our sins, we grow in Jesus. We grow, we grow, and we grow, and we're able to produce more and more fruit that we could not produce before because of the sin in our lives. So it goes on in Psalm 32. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Praise the Lord for this. You forgave the guilt of my sin. The relationship between you and God is restored. The balance is restored to realize who God is and who you are. Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. You can't sing a song of deliverance unless you confess your sins. You can't sing a song of deliverance unless you're delivered. You can't sing a song of deliverance unless you're delivered. Let the Lord give you a song of deliverance in your heart. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Confession is also a, a attitude of trust to the Lord. You don't confess something to someone if you think they're going to make fun of you, or you think they're going to turn their back on you, or you think they're going to shun you. When you confess your sin to the Lord, you're trusting him. You're trusting in his unfailing love. You're trusting in his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his righteousness and justification. You're trusting that God is good, that his plans for you are good. No matter what you bring to the table, it is good. And so when you confess your sins, you're just getting all these obstacles out of the way so that he can use you and bless you, that he can guide you and instruct you, that he can pour his unfailing love on you and give you a song of deliverance. 
assurance. Confession is trusting that God is good. In verse 11 and Psalm 32, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Be glad, you righteous, because you've confessed your sin. There is a joy that comes from the Lord. You can be glad in your righteousness, your righteousness that you didn't earn. It's not a paycheck you get at the end of the week for not swearing, drinking, or smoking. It is a paycheck you get for doing nothing besides setting yourself in the, in the presence of Almighty God and realizing who He is and who you are, confessing your sins. That gives you justification before Him not the good deeds that you've done. Now the flip side of that, if you are justified, if you have been forgiven, if you're welling up with a song of deliverance, then you do something. You're an apple tree. You produce fruit. You've been forgiven. You go and you forgive others. You've been forgiven. You go in the joy of the Lord. Because all this has been lavished, this love has been lavished on you, you can't help but love other people. You can't help it. Many of us walk around defeated. We walk around not able to love people, not able to help people, not able to be joyful. And it's because we have unconfessed sin in our hearts. It's because our motives are wrong. Because there's bitterness, there's things that are clogging up our relationship with God and we refuse to address them. Like David says at the beginning, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him today. Confess your sins today. Come to him and be healed. Come to him and be made whole. Why are you holding on to these things? Holding on to sin brings death. It brings destruction. It brings separation from God. I'm going to read Romans 4, 6 again. David said the same thing. He said that a person is truly blessed when God does not look at what he has done, but accepts him as good. And you, that blessed person, when you've confessed your sins to the Lord, when you've given him the things that you thought were going to destroy you, when you've given him those ugly intentions of your heart, when you can finally admit the truth of who you are, then God can use you. Then God can bless you. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Your transgressions can't be forgiven until you confess them. Here's the equal playing field. We all have transgressions. Here's the equal playing field. We all have bad motives. We've all uh, thought the wrong thing about someone. We've all done the wrong thing in different situations. Big sins and little sins. Sins that we intend to do and sins that we do because we refuse to do something that we're supposed to do. We all have them. We're all an equal playing field. But you can be blessed when you confess your transgressions and they're forgiven. Will you offer your sin to the Lord today? Will you take your sin and offer it to the Lord? And those of you who are thinking, I really I really can't think of any sin that I have. I really can't think of anything that I'm actually doing wrong. I'm a good person. Take your Bible and use it like a mirror. Open the Word of God. Ask God to speak into your heart. Open the book of James. Read chapter 1, 2, and 3. See what you can find. Say, God, use this like a mirror to my heart. Use this to a mirror to who I am. God, show me. Every time we open the Bible, we should pray, and we should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what we need to hear and what we need to see. He's faithful to do that. God, what do you have for me today? 
And I close my eyes and I pray. And I say, God, if there's any evil way in me, show me through your word. If there's anything in me that needs to change, show me through your word. God, if there's any direction I need to take in my life or changes I need to make, things I need to do, things I need to stop doing, God, show me through your word. And then I open the Bible and I pray. As I'm reading, I open the Bible and I look deep into the word of God. I say, God, what in this doesn't measure up in me? And then I confess my sins to the Lord. Wrong motives, wrong attitudes, wrong choices and directions. Sometimes we're doing things that seem good to everyone else, but God never asked us to do them. Sometimes we're giving our lives and our attention and our time to things God never intended for us to give our time and attention to. God has a good plan for your life. And if we let sin clog us up, then we're not going to produce the fruit keeping with repentance. Confess your sins to the Lord. We all sin after salvation. We all sin after salvation. And many of us let that sin clog us up. We let that sin defeat us. But the Bible says, confess your sins to the Lord. And he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Take your transgressions to the Lord today and be blessed as you trust in him to not be a a horrible ruler who points his finger down at you and smites you. But like David said, his guilt is gone. His sin is forgiven. He stands in righteousness and that righteousness helps him to, uh, to spur other people on towards Jesus and who he is. We are all sinners. We need to all be confessors as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are so kind I thank you, God of the whole universe, that you are so kind to us. I pray that each person listening will trust you today with their heart, that they will trust you enough to confess their sins so that they can be free and forgiven, that they can replace sorrow with righteousness, that they wouldn't be like David who talked about all his strength being sapped, but they would be full of life and vigor because they have set their their lives before you, Jesus, our Savior. God, help us to trust you. And God, I pray that we would continue to produce fruit in our lives now that we're cleaned up and we confess daily. Help us to do the things, God, that you have designed for us to do. Not so that we can earn our salvation or or justify our righteousness, but because it's who we are as Christians. Jesus, I pray that those who feel that they are without sin, that God, they would search their hearts, that God, they would seek you and they would find you. And when they seek you with all of their hearts and God, you would reveal to them anything that's keeping them back from the fruitful life you want them to live. God, I pray that you would uh, give us power by your spirit to live lives of victory. Jesus, thank you. Amen.